Okay, what are we doing here? Yes. The New and Better Podcast, episode 25. Here's the tease. The moment Paul got that revelation, our default understanding would have been he would have run as fast as he could to Jerusalem and sat down at the feet of Peter and John and James and the boys and soaked up everything that they could tell him about everything Jesus said and that everything he did. And that is not what happens. Congratulations. Through the powerful providence of a benevolent benefactor, you've stumbled onto this delicious digital bouillabaisse. Hosted by yours truly, hipster grandfather, David A. Holland. Here, we explore the too-good-to-be-true, poorly understood, badly neglected realities of what Jesus actually launched 2,000 years ago. A new covenant. A better covenant based on better promises. So, check your religion at the door. Grab a beverage. Grab a Bible. Strap in. Gird your loins. This is the New and Better Podcast. All right, we started a series last week we're calling Unveiled, Paul's Revelation of Jesus Christ. And won't review all of that, but I will just remind you, um, well, let's, let's take a look at our, our key verse. I'm bouncing back and forth between the Passion and the New American Standard. We're going to be looking, looking at both. In Galatians chapter 1, Verse 11 is our key, 11 and 12 is our key verse in the New American Standard. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You look at that at the, the Passion Translation, and it reads, Beloved ones, let me say emphatically, that the gospel entrusted to me was not given to me by any man. No one taught me this revelation, for it was given to me directly by the unveiling of Jesus, the anointed one. Then we we went on to see several instances last week where Paul talked about the fact that he was, um, that a mystery that had been hidden from the ages, uh, mysteries that had been hidden in the Old Testament, we're now being revealed, we're now being unveiled, and that, that Jesus, his role, his person, who he was, what he accomplished, all of that had been buried or hidden, and we're going to see some more of that tonight as well. As a matter of fact, we're going to see Paul talking about that in length. Jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and really, the, the first 13 verses here, Paul's talking about He uses this word mystery again. We saw uh, last week that that was the Greek word mysterion. And Paul's using this language because it's something that everybody in Israel and everybody in the Roman world, Greek and Roman world, would have been very familiar with because there were were pagan temples on every corner that were part of what they were, were called mystery religions. And these mystery religions and these pagan temples would initiate people into them. And there were lots of secrets inside. And for the people who were just casually coming in and out, they weren't privy to the secrets. But if you became a teleos or an initiated one, 
you would be privy to the mysteries that were of, 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 the, of the secrets. Well, Paul uses this very familiar concept to explain Jesus, uh, to explain the new covenant. And so over and over again, he uses this word uh, mysterion. And then there's another word that, that, again, it was often associated with these mystery religions, and that's the word wisdom, Sophia. Uh, the Greek word Sophia. So a lot of these false pagan mystery religions would promise to basically initiate you into wisdom, Sophia, if you became an initiate, uh, uh, a teleos. So Paul is basically, he's not, he's, he's not positioning the New Covenant Christianity as just another pagan mystery religion. Instead, he's, he's basically using it as a, as a metaphor for helping people understand why the fact that what Jesus is, was, became, and did was surprising to a lot of people. That, 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 he, that when he came, especially to the Jewish people, he didn't come and do what they expected him to do. He wasn't exactly who they anticipated him to be, even though they'd spent 1,500 years studying the law and the prophets when what everything that the law and prophets were pointing to finally happened and finally came, it wasn't what they thought. Uh, and so Paul is using this mystery and wisdom language uh, as a way to explain that. And so let's just take a look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. I'll read it from the Passion, and you can read along in your translation. Uh, my brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, or the mysteries of God, let's see what uh, it says here. Uh, it's translated from the Aramaic. Some Greek manuscripts have testimony. Paul, as a steward of the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians 4.1, uh, comes to them bringing a clear revelation of God's mysteries. So your translation may say the testimony of God. And it's interesting, the, the Greek word underneath there, Mark, check me on this, you've got your interlinear Greek with you there. Where it's translated testimonies, the Greek word there is martorion, so, or martyr, martorion. So uh, basically, martorion is related to our word martyr, both mean witness or testimony. The word martyr just literally means a witness or someone who testifies of their faith by dying for the faith. That's why the word martyr came to be associated with someone who testified in their death of, of, of their faithfulness. So martyr means witness, but so does martyrion means. But there are some ancient manuscripts that don't use the word martyrion. It uses the word mysterion, which is very similar. So uh, either one works. It is, it is either... It actually makes more sense for Paul here, if, if for, based on everything that follows, if he if really is saying mysterion, not martyrion. But whichever, it doesn't really change the basic meaning of what Paul's saying here. I first came to proclaim to you the secrets or the mysteries or the testimonies of God. I refuse to come as an expert, trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. Let me just pause right there and just say, I've been very excited about this series. I've been, I was itching to get done with the previous series in part because it's a foundation for this one. And it's all about Jesus. 
I love talking about Jesus. There's, Jesus is the best. Uh, what he did, what he accomplished, understanding and examining and, and appreciating and admiring every facet of his work is the most exciting thing you can possibly do. And the greater our, the accuracy of our view of, of our Savior, the one who not only we are in, but he is in us, the more we're able going to we're going to basically do the greater things than he has done it's the key so this is a very very key uh, series that we're in <clears throat> anyway paul said i only talked to you about one thing i only had one thing to say and it was about jesus the crucified messiah i stood before you feeling inadequate filled with reverence for god and trembling under the sense of importance of my words the message i preached and how i preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. Verse 6. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age. Nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. That is such an important, that's such an important phrase right there. Just please note that in your, in, in your Bible. We'll, we'll be coming back to it. Uh, this wisdom didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now, in a mysterion, hidden before now in a mystery. Uh, that word hidden there is an interesting, it's an interesting Greek word. It actually refers to something that is literally hidden by being buried. It's used a couple of times. Uh, Jesus used it a couple of times. And, and in one instance, when he used it in the book of Matthew, Matthew, he's talking about the fact that he said, Father, I thank you that the truths about the kingdom have been hidden from the wise and the lofty and the important people of this world and have been revealed to simple folks. That's my, that's my paraphrase. Same word. Jesus used it there uh, uh, as well. Hidden before now or up till now in a mystery. It is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it. For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scriptures say, things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all of his lovers, all those who love him. But now, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. So he's saying again here, there's mysteries and there's wisdom and there's levels of understanding that were, were established but hidden for the ages. And at the time when Jesus arrived, none of the present rulers of this world, and, and it's unclear whether he's talking about the natural, physical rulers or whether he's talking about spiritual rulers, authorities, dominions, powers, or high, the, the, the demonic hierarchy, in other words. Uh, it's not clear which, which set of rulers he's talking about, but he's probably talking about the physical rulers because it was 
it's, it's difficult to say because you know Herod and the and the and the leadership of the of the rabbinic Judaism worked together. Uh, the Roman authorities and the rabbinic authorities worked together to get Jesus crucified. But we know that behind them was demonic demonic prompting to uh, to crucify him. So, but if they had understood what was happening, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Where am I? Okay, uh, verse 10. But now God unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, He has revealed to us His inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. So here is Paul basically in a long extended section here, talking a lot about what we saw in a lot of other passages of scripture last week, which is Paul's bringing forth in his revelation these mysteries. Now, we also saw last week that you know Paul was a trained, advanced, uh, full, third-degree black belt Pharisee, basically before uh, God knocked him off of his of his horse uh, on the way to Damascus that day. He was very, very well trained in the Jewish uh, scriptures, and we saw that he was all deeply involved in leading the emerging persecution of the emerging church there's basically once the, once the church began to break out after the after the day of pentecost and then began to spread first across jerusalem and then it was leaping along the uh, along the points of the roads that led out of jerusalem to places like antioch and and damascus as this jesus movement and it was almost exclusively jews uh, devout Jews, Hellenistic Jews, and Gentiles who were God-fearing ones. In other words, Gentiles who had sort of attached themselves peripherally to the various synagogues uh, and to the temple itself, who were coming into the kingdom at this point. Hey friend, in the immortal words of Karen Carpenter, we've only just begun. The best is yet to come, but first, a brief word from our sponsor, me. It's page two. You don't know what you don't know, right? Did you know that as I record these words, my 55-day devotional, Praying Grace, is sitting at number seven on Amazon's list of bestsellers in Christian meditation, devotion, and worship? It's possible that you don't know that I've written several other devotionals, or that I'm creating new books and e-books all the time. Well, now you do. And you're about to know that you can find links to all my books, including Praying Grace, at PrayingGrace.com. I promise you, they'll all help you step into this new and better life Jesus made possible for you. That's a life of rest and peace and purpose and power. So that's PrayingGrace.com. And now, back to today's vitally important topic. What emerges as the church is emerging, the new covenant people is emerging out of the body of Israel, so essentially the, the dead body of, the, of rabbinic Judaism that's essentially a dead man walking at that point. It just hasn't fallen over. That from that, there's a backlash. There's a pushback. 
and this pushback emerges out of rabbinic Judaism that's that's going to to basically become the entire book of Acts we saw is essentially a, is a book about a war for the hearts and the minds and the souls of the Jewish people in the Roman world uh, and actually in the, in the civilized world uh, at, at that point. The entire book of Acts is this unfolding battle for their hearts and minds because out of rabbinic Judaism becomes this pushback and Paul is the tip of the sword, the tip of the spear of that pushback. He's leading it. He's organizing it. He's asked for permission from the great Sanhedrin to go and arrest anyone in a synagogue who is preaching this Jesus. And so that he, they can be drugged back to, to Jerusalem and uh, arrested and were killed. And in the, in the process of doing that, we saw that Paul basically has this encounter with Jesus Christ. And it's a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He doesn't bump into uh, doesn't bump into Thomas. He doesn't bump into you know um, uh, John Mark or or Peter and hear about Jesus and get saved uh, and hear hear their case for why Jesus is the Messiah. Paul has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, in which Jesus speaks to him, says, "Paul, why are you persecuting me?" And then in that encounter with Jesus Christ, he then goes away into the desert for three years, or not, not in the desert for three years, but he goes into the desert for a period of time uh, and basically communes and gets a direct download from Jesus about all the new covenant stuff. That to most of us, given the way we've been taught to think about the gospels most of our lives, that seems odd. It seems unusual that once the moment Paul got the understanding that, oh, oh my goodness, this Jesus that those Jesus people have been proclaiming really is the Son of God. He's divine. He was, he was a man. He was the promised Messiah. He's who the law and the prophets were pointing to. The moment Paul got that revelation, our default understanding would have been he would have run as fast as he could to Jerusalem and sat down at the feet of Peter and John and James and the boys and soaked up everything that they could tell him about everything Jesus said and that everything he did. And that is not what happens. And that only seems odd if we don't look at it in the light of that 20 message, 20 week series we just finished. Because in that 20 week series that we just finished, we saw that what Jesus was saying, he spent three and a half years running back and forth all over uh, the Holy Land preaching in every synagogue and, and, and preaching in the temple, ex not explaining New Covenant theology. From time to time, he would get pulled into an explanation of the New Covenant, like he did with the, the Samaritan woman at the well. But most of what he was saying, in what he was saying, the, the New Covenant was still a mystery. It was still hidden. It was still buried, which is why... Jesus said, as we just saw, he used that word, that Greek word that means buried. Why he said, Father, I, 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 I'm grateful. I'm, I, I praise you that, that these mysteries are, have been hidden and buried for these all people who think they know what they're talking about. Um, so if you understand the ministry of Jesus, the three-year ministry of Jesus, in the light of everything that we just saw in that long series then what Paul did makes perfect sense. There's nothing illogical. There's nothing surprising about it at all because those guys were just now starting the light. 
the light of the new covenant truth and reality, the mysteries of the new covenant were actually just in the process of becoming gradually, progressively unveiled to them. It took Peter a while to get it. He had to have a vision of a sheet coming down uh, to see, you know, that the old testament, the old covenant dietary laws, not only were those no longer in play, but also the Old Testament uh, and all of the rabbinic Judaism um, uh, prohibitions about rubbing shoulders with Gentiles and being defiled by Gentiles, that those were no longer in play either. That light did not come on for Peter right away. It took that vision for that light to come on. And, and for all of those guys, it was a period of, of progressive illumination for them to get these mysteries revealed to them. Uh, and we see that happening across the book of Acts. There's another point where Peter, I mean, where Paul, you know, Paul basically spends a period of time in the desert, three years in, in Antioch, um, and then finally he goes down and spends two weeks, 15 days, hanging out with Peter and James. Then he goes and spends another 10 years preaching, and then, and only then does he come back to Jerusalem, and he explains his gospel there. We, this is the, basically the condensed version of the book of Acts. Peter explains his gospel, presents his gospel to James and Peter and those guys back in Jerusalem, and they say, yeah, okay, yeah, we agree with that. That sounds right. But he has almost no interaction with those guys. Why? Because he's ahead of them. Mm -hmm. They don't have anything to tell him. As a matter of fact, he's got stuff to tell them because he got in a massive crash course download personal uh, revelation with the Lord in the desert. Now, I want to go back to that thing in the desert. I've got to show you. I've got to show you something that I came across this week after we had this discussion last week about the fact that, you know, Paul slipped into the desert of what he called Arabia. And Mark had mentioned the fact that there is some there is some belief now uh, that's uh, for good reason that the traditional site of the um, Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments and God basically established the Mosaic Covenant with the tribes of Israel is not where we've always said it was. We've always been told it was in the Sinai Peninsula. But there's this guy named Joel Richardson and there's some other, other researchers who think that it's actually in Saudi Arabia. And in Western Saudi Arabia at a place called Jabal El Laws. And uh, there's videos online where you can see where Joel Richardson goes there and he's making his case. And it's, it's, it's evocative, it's interesting. And it's interesting to think, the reason we mentioned it is because you know, Moses establishes, is basically the mediator of the first covenant. He's the one who goes out up onto the mountain, receives this download from God, has this encounter with the God, receives the download that basically becomes the revelation of the first covenant, the Mosaic covenant. And it's interesting that Paul goes into the desert, somewhere in the Arabian desert, and has an encounter with Jesus where he gets receives a, a download of the new covenant. And Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant, but Paul is the one who is basically with Jesus on the mountain in the desert, basically getting all the details of what this new covenant looks like. So, so we talked about that last week. So to my surprise, I come across a new news item this week that Saudi Arabia, the, this new kind of uh, prince of Saudi Arabia who uh, is consolidating power, Prince Salman, 
I, I can't remember. He, they, most people use his, uh, use his initials. Anyway, he's doing a lot of interesting things. But one of the things is he's planned is for an enormous new city in the desert of western Saudi Arabia on the Gulf of Aqaba. This thing's going to be really hundreds and hundreds of miles um, wide. It's just massive piece of just rocky, barren desert on the coast of the Gulf of Aqaba. And a piece of it reaches up, of what he's planned, reaches up into southern Jordan. And another piece of it reaches right across uh, the Suez into Egypt. But his plan is for this giant development city he calls Neom, N-E-O-M. And the price tag on the development is $500 billion. A $500 billion city development that would be 300 times the city of size of New York City. Uh, if it's now $500 billion development. Well, he, he, he rolled out, this, um, he rolled out these, this plan in October of 2017. So, uh, and you'll, you'll see, um, here's, for example, here's a, Here's a news article from 2017. Saudi uh, unveils $500 billion city to develop border region with the Jordan, uh, with Jordan and Egypt. And this this line here is showing you kind of the general uh, outlines of of the proposal there. So that plan isn't actually unfolding really fast because right about the time he un he unveiled this, the price of oil plummeted. Uh, the U.S. became an oil exporter, as a matter of fact, uh, over the last few years. So his plan is kind of on hold. But at some point along the line, somebody realized that Jabal al-Laws, the possible site of the true Mount Sinai, is inside the plan for that city. So what you get when this is the, like the most Internet thing ever News report that Saudi prince plans $500 billion giant city in Western Saudi Arabia, point one. Point two, someone realizes that the place that might possibly maybe be Mount Sinai happens to be inside the, the zone of that plan. And then here's what you get as a headline. Saudi Islamic government to bulldoze biblical mountain of Moses, site where God met Moses. <laughs> so there, uh, that's not exactly true. Although it's theoretically possible that if uh, the Saudi prince's plans do go forward, that it could involve uh, that zone where that mountain is. If you if you look at if you look at the Joel Richardson videos, I mean, it's you cannot imagine a more barren place than. Then this is this area. It's it's unreal. However, it's still interesting, uh, and so a, a, a lot of people are calling for the Saudis to commit to preserving that as an archaeological site, so that it can be, so that it can be explored and, and developed, and so that they don't bull, bulldoze the mountain of where God met Moses. Um, but anyway. Uh, I just thought that was interesting because I came across that this week after we had that conversation uh, last week. By the way, Neom, uh, the name of this new giant half a trillion dollar uh, proposed development, is a combination of the Greek word neo, which we know means new, and a, the, the first initial of the Arabic word for the future, uh, which starts with an M. So... Uh, 
this guy, this this new guy that's running Saudi Arabia is an interesting character, and there's some interesting stuff going on there for sure. But anyway, that's something something to watch. But as far as we know, the mountain of Moses is not about to be bulldozed by the <laughs> by the Saudis anytime anytime soon. So that's Paul the Unveiler is basically uh, what, we, what we've seen. He's unveiling mysteries. And so what we're going to do over the, next, um, over the next couple of weeks, several weeks, is look at seven or eight, maybe ten, of the key mysteries that Paul unveiled about Jesus and what he did. I think I've given you all you can handle for one outing. The only thing left to do is page three. Have you connected with me on social media yet? What precisely are you waiting for? You'll find links to all my brilliant social media manifestations on my about page over there at davidaholland.com. Got to get that A in there. Now that's it uh, for this outing. Until next time, please remember, God is better than you think. And you're more loved than you know.